Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I wonder who is a better actor, Nicolas Cage or Johnny Cage? And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Bringing Out The Dead. Released in 1999, based on the novel by Joe Connolly, a screenplay by Paul Schrader, and directed by Martin Scorsese. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Frank Pierce, played by Nicolas Cage. Frank is a burnt-out New York paramedic, and he's come to the end of his tether. He hasn't saved a life in a couple of months. But after a brief meeting with Patricia Arquette and some colourful characters in his day-to-day -day work, Frank might actually find himself saving himself. Myself. He breaks a shot. Taking that into consideration. Frank! Frank! Yeah. You know, Martin Scorsese is without a doubt one of our generation's greatest directors. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, going into this, he's greatest directors. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, going into this, he, he brought in Paul Schrader, who. Yeah, yeah. And uh, going into this, he, he brought in Paul Schrader, who had also wrote the script for Taxi Driver. Mm. And he was like, if I'm gonna get nice. if I'm gonna making <clears throat> if I'm gonna be making a movie, yeah. I'm gonna want the same guy that knows New York and New York at nighttime. Yeah. And bring in this writer. And he also spent time with Nicolas Cage with nighttime paramedics in New York wow. just to get a flavor and a feel yeah. for exactly how they behaved. New York wow. just to get a flavor and a feel yeah. for exactly how they behaved and to understand that it was, you know, like a graveyard shift, like it was, you know, that they were going to see humanity at its darkest and oh, yeah. its weakest yeah. during this. And then of course taking all of that inspiration and that story from the from the novel and it is you know, a, almost a very accurate adaptation. Yeah. And uh, and and sadly, when this film came out, I think this was the only Scorsese film in the '90s that did not receive any sort of Oscar nominations. Yeah. You know, the critics yeah. kind of snubbed it. It didn't really find its audience. It sort of came out. The critics yeah. kind of snubbed it. It didn't really find its audience. It sort of came out and then just kind of disappeared yeah it did really well at sort of like film festival screenings and stuff but it never really got the attention or the acclaim i think this film really deserves yeah i will i will back that one up wholeheartedly i never saw this before until sitting down and watching this for the review and i i suppose i had never wanted to watch it simply because of um the rumor mill you know, I had, uh, 1999, I was there, I was watching films, I mean, we're talking about the year The Matrix came out, you know, and that overshadowed pretty much any other film of that year, but I remember Bringing Out the Dead coming out, and it kind of being panned, you know, people saying, like, this film is not very good, Martin Scorsese has lost it, he should go back to just making movies about taxi drivers, you know, or, or his gangster movies and things like that, because this isn't him. You know, Nicolas Cage, oh, Nicolas Cage is just not doing very well in this movie. And I, I like I said, I was, what, 17 in 1999. So I wasn't at an age, or a mental age, shall we say, where I could actually appreciate a film for what it is. And so Bringing Out the Dead just kind of just went under the radar. And years would go on. 
And I would see the the poster every now and again. I'd maybe see the cover of the DVD and be like, oh, it's that movie with Nicolas Cage where he's a paramedic. I'm not interested in watching that. Mainly because why would I want to entertain myself by seeing a guy in the dregs of society, burnt out, depressed, in a black spot, you know, dealing with the underbelly of New York City and having to deal with all the horribleness in the world. How am I going to find that entertaining? Nope, movie, I just can't. Now I'm almost 40, 39, 40, and this movie is a fucking masterpiece. Now I say this loosely before anybody jumps into the fucking comment section like I'm mad that it's just like what they say in 12 Monkeys. The movie, ne movie never fucking changes but the person does. Your attitude does. Your, 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 your mentality does. And so I was sat as this movie started and I'm thinking what would 17 year old me have thought when this movie first came out? I wouldn't have gone to see this in the cinema. But this is Martin Scorsese, like Gary says, one of the greatest directors of our time. You know, this is Nicolas Cage, like, Nicolas fucking Cage, man. Like, he's done some good shit. The music, the camera angles, the, 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 the cinematography, the script working, everything was just so real that after two hours of this movie, I had such a fucking good time. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you know? Now, one of my favourite scenes in this film is just the opening. Yeah. Like, it, it it starts almost like a, a film noir, like a detective, you know, where he's narrating. He, oh, yeah. He's got yes. that monotone voice. Yes. And he's just explaining literally how, how burnt out he is right from the get-go. He's got the thousand yards there. Completely, yeah. And, you know, I just love the way that the camera is framed, the lighting, the shadows, yeah. his his voice. It, like, it is so very well edited. The shadows, yeah. his his voice. It, like, it is so very well edited. The shadows, yeah. his his voice. It, like, it is so very well edited. And this film immediately lets you know what the tone is. is so very well edited. And this film immediately lets you know what the tone is of this story is from the outset because that's one of the things about this film is that it doesn't have a traditional narrative it doesn't have a story structure of beginning middle end so to speak yeah and because yeah, yeah. the film starts off and it's like it's thursday thursday night yeah here we are on his on his shift on his shift how long has this guy been working for you know we 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 get to know snippets of frank's character as the movie goes on as he interacts with people you know he's driving fast the lights of the streets are just all over new york city like i've not been many places in the world actually i've not been anywhere in the world but new york city is probably that one place i've always seen and kind of never wanted to go you know because it's it, oh it looks all beautiful on the top from a from a standing back and seeing the whole city but when you get down to the underbelly when you get down to the darkness of the streets you know that's when you see reality and Martin Scorsese just really hits at home really well especially with Nicolas Cage he explains like this is the neighborhood he grew up in yeah and this is the neighborhood that he spent most of the time as a paramedic in, you know. And so he really, really just wants to save everybody, you know. And so he really, really just wants to save everybody. You know, I, I, I don't know anybody personally who's gone to medical college, but I understand that that's kind of the thing that you, you, you take that oath. 
yeah, as soon as you walk through the door, that your job now is to save lives. And yet, when you're out in your your ambulance, 90 miles per hour, cutting through all these streets, trying to save every drug dealer, drug addict, prostitute, gun victim, robbery victim, this person, that person, you can't save them all. And so part of me looked at Nicolas Cage and I'm like, man, is he suffering from post-traumatic stress? Oh, absolutely. That, that, is, that is in almost in a nutshell what the, what this film is about. Yeah. And uh, the fact that so many of the people that he's tried to save have died in his arms. And and there's one girl in particular, Rose. Oh, yes. Who, who he failed to save. It's haunting him. And, and he's absolutely haunted by it. And that is why he is, you know, he says right from the get-go, all he needs to do is just save one more life. You know, just to just to get going again, just yeah. to remember why he's enjoying doing this, and it's it's the rush of knowing that you've saved a life. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, but in contrast to that, he has lost so many now, and uh, and now he's uh, an insomniac. Yeah. Now he's uh, an alcoholic. You know, and he's he's chasing that next rush, but uh, he's he's stuck in a trap because we find out later that he's he, he wants to he wants to lose his job. He's had enough, but <laughs> his, his boss. Cannot fire him. Oh man, those scenes! Like, ah, oh, like the movie is. I was so wrong walking into this movie. So wrong to my younger self saying this movie would be dark and depressing because it had so many brilliant comedy moments and the boss moments were some of the best. Like, hey man, you're late for work again and you've been taking sick days. Well, you said you'd fire me. Well, I can't. Man, you promised you'd fire me. <laughs> I'll fire you tomorrow. <laughs> I'll fire you tomorrow, man. I can't, I can't. I need you, man. I need you, you know. I got buses. They, they, they got to run here. I had to put markers on 62 Young. Hey, hey, you know he's not supposed to work two nights in a row. You know who we went for with that one? You swore that you'd fire me if I came in late again. You swore. You swore. Oh, fuck. You're going out with Marcus. Okay. Duty calls you, kid. The city needs you. Please. I'll find you sick time. I'll make it up to you. Honest to God. Look at me. The next time I see we see, we see Nicholas Cage first go out to to the home of the Burks. He's got his partner Larry, played by John Goodman, um, with him. And oh man, he's so the, the the acting lineup in this is fucking amazing. I'll list them off now. You've got John Goodman, you've got Ving Rhames, you've got Patricia Arquette. Like I said, you've got Nicholas Cage, you've got Queen Latifah. You know, as a voice dispatcher, you've got fucking Tom Sizemore. You've got Mark Anthony uh, playing another, uh, uh, like a crazy loon. And every one of them just like, I, I can't understand how anybody could say that these guys weren't doing their best. Oh, these are all fantastic actors and they are all magnificent in their roles in this. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I know that these guys would go off to do better, you know, better things. But, you know, when did they become good? Did they get become good here and get better? Or were they, you know, not so great here, but then they got better doing this, but this was their start-off point? Because when he goes into the home and you see him and John Goodman get down, they're like, I... I'm like, wow, these guys know what they're doing. They've trained to be paramedics. Yeah. You know, they're 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 getting the shirt, they're getting this guy ready. We see Mr. Burke on the floor. They're 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 getting the shirt, they're getting this guy ready. We see Mr. Burke on the floor. He's had a heart attack. Um, and Patricia Arquette is his daughter, uh, Mary. And you don't get it at this point, but he this guy is dying. The dad is dying. He's what? fucking dead he's been dead for 20 minutes according <laughs> you know? to the uh the sun yeah 
But the family don't want to lose him. They are well, so desperate to kind of hold on to him. But it's something that will come on later on in the movie that I kind of got. And I probably would only understand this now as a as an adult, as a parent myself, you know, that sometimes you just want to go. Myself, you know, that sometimes you just want to go. <laughs> you know? Because the, 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 the son says, the brother of Patricia Arquette says, he started grasping his chest and then he locked himself in the bathroom. So he was wanting to die. Well, I, I don't know. But, about <laughs> but they saved him. No, no, because there's a few times in the movie where, like, they're trying to save this guy. And, no, no, because there's a few times in the movie where, like, they're trying to save this guy. And he's, like, not wanting to. Like, they're trying to save this guy. And he's, like, not wanting to. He doesn't want to. Well, it seems like, because they, they end up taking him to the hospital, mm. and of course we the, the hospital depicts, the depiction of it is just like, you don't, this is not what you see in ER or Scrubs, you know, yeah. where you see all of these these gurneys lined up wall to this, wall. This is kind of like a normal fucking yeah, Thursday and in you've hospital. got the security guard outside, like, don't make me oh, take off my sunglasses. Yes. Please, don't step back. I've already told you two to step back. Now look, don't make me take off my sunglasses. And the nurses are just like, we've got no space. You can't bring them in here. And it's yeah. like, this off my sunglasses. And the nurses are just like, we've got no space. You can't bring them in here. And it's yeah. like, this guy's had a heart attack. He needs to come in here. You're the closest hospital. Just like, it is, it is crazy how overrun they are and understaffed they are. But then we, like, when Nicolas Cage keeps coming back to check up on him, because again, he's looking to have saved a life. Yeah. He keeps hearing voices now we don't know that the film have saved a life yeah he keeps hearing voices now we don't know that the film is called a supernatural thriller yeah yeah um, and because he does see ghosts and mm. he does yeah you know hallucinate because of his you know sleep deprivation because of his substance abuse yeah that you know the, the saved father is asking him not to defib him not yeah. to resuscitate him but to let him die uh, but that there is more about Nicolas Cage's character more than um, anything. Well, actually, I, I, I think it's I think it's actually the dad. You know, this this dad has lived in New York pretty much all of his life. He's raised a family here, you know, and he has been tough on his family. And even Patricia Arquette says at one point, you know, like she starts not liking her dad they haven't spoken in three years she was a drug addict she was strung out but she's getting her life back together now and she hasn't spoken to her dad and now but she's getting her life back together now and she hasn't spoken to her dad and now the fact that her dad is dying and he's locked himself in the bathroom she says to Nicolas Cage I was driving over and I was gonna give him shit but then when she got there she just didn't know what to say she just wanted to hear his voice again you know, but the dad, and she even says later on, the dad was so tough on them because the, he had to be. And it's like Nicolas Cage says, the city, the city does not discriminate. You know, this dad has lived for so long in this city with his family doing the best that he could. Why can't he die? Why can't he just, why can't he just die and just leave? He's done. Why can't he just, why can't he just die and just leave? He's done his fucking job. You know, he's done the best he could. Oh, you know, yeah, people would say he could have done better or worse or whatever, but he's done what he could up to that point so that when, when yeah, when you hear the voice, like I was sat there like, is he really talking? But And it's the way the eyes shoot. 
the eyes turn. I'm like, is that real? Is that a hallucination? Is he seeing the eyes moving, or is the or is the or is the the dad actually saying to him like, dude, seriously, just let me go. That's how you're gonna save me is by letting me die. Go to the bank, boy. Take out everything you can. Yeah, Gris, the security guard with the sunglasses. Oh my God, he was fucking awesome. And that's what made me laugh so much. I'm looking at this room full of, this hospital full of just people wounded and hurt. You know, it's just day in, day out. People just constantly come in. There's no space. There's no resources. There's not enough nurses or doctors. And you've got this badass glasses wearing motherfucker. Don't make me take off my glasses. I'll throw you out. <laughs> uh, I want to bring up as well um, Ida Totoro, who played Nurse Crip. Uh, she played Janice Soprano from The Sopranos. And I did... Even the little parts that people play Sopranos, and I did... Even the little parts that people played in this, like these doctors, we don't hang around with very long because no. we're back out with Frank into the ambulance. But like, I see these actors and I'm like, I buy it. I buy it that they're stressed out, they're tired, they're trying to do the best they can, they want to help everybody. The lady at the desk. Yep, yep. You know, there's this lady at the desk and it's like, she's saying like, so you're telling me that you've been on a five day crack binge and you want us to give you some medicine to make you feel better so that you can go crack binge and you want us to give you some medicine to make you feel better so that you can go crack binge and you want us to give you some medicine to make you feel better so that you can go back binge and you want us to give you some medicine to make you feel better so that you can go back out binge. And you want us to give you some medicine to make you feel better so that you can go back out and get more crack. And you want us to give you some medicine to make you feel better so that you can go back out and get more crack. <laughs> There'll be another sequence where he's got where she's got the alcoholic who's like, oh, you've just been on a bender and you've fallen over and hurt yourself. So now you've come here to sober up so that you can go out and do it again. And then, you know, when he's back in the ambulance and they get that 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 dreaded call. I think it's Martin Scorsese who's actually the dispatcher he is voice. The dispatcher voice, yeah. mate. And he's like, Oh, we've got your favourite. Oh, no. It's Mr. Rowe. Oh, Mr. Rowe. <laughs> it's the stinky one. It's the harmless dude that smells and always needs to be taken to this one hospital when he's hung out when he's when he's drunk to be uh, to 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 be resuscitated and uh, and looked after and but that's the crazy thing it's like my my mind immediately was just like at this point like why are you helping this guy he's clearly an alcoholic he's clearly homeless he's clearly infected with shit he's clearly dying why would we waste the resources on him and then my, the other part of my brain was like shut the fuck up that's what these people do you know these people save or try to do their best to save lives and save people and so yeah these paramedics hate picking up mr o for the 17th time maybe that week and taking him to the hospital to get his stomach pumped but they can't just leave his fucking body lying in the street to right. die that's even worse they've got to do what they can to help him and it's down to him to try to help himself which a lot of the times they don't i love that bit where they're driving along with their heads out the window yeah because it can't breathe because of the smell right. you know I love you. oh no take that stinky ass motherfucking bovine skin out of my face i mean it, it brings us to noel played yeah. by mark anthony noel is another one of these characters who is like 
we find out from Patricia Arquette's character that her and Noel grew up um, in the same neighborhood, but at some point in Noel's life, he was shot in the head by some drug dealers and in a coma. But at some point in Noel's life, he was shot in the head by some drug dealers and in a coma. For at some point in Noel's life, he was shot in the head by some drug dealers and in a coma. For at some point in Noel's life, he was shot in the head by some drug dealers and in a coma for three months. And when he came out of the coma, he was just he was just crazy. And like I missed. I missed the reason why they couldn't give him a cup of water. Well, there was also this um, this new drug that's circulating around New York red at the death, time, this yeah. Red Death. And they're not sure whether he's on it or not. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for a medical reason, they can't give him any water because of the way his the bo- his body is a, a absorbing yeah, it yeah, or using it. it. I, like, I, I was just like, well, there's something medical there that if he drinks too much, he's going to die. So they're trying to stop him. But he's constantly there. Like the first time Mr. Burke comes in, he's tied to the bed. And it's and it, it it's like an ongoing joke. I want to say it's an ongoing joke, but then like maybe I'm wrong. It's, maybe I saw it as a joke and it's not. But it, it constantly happens. Frank will go back to the hospital and he'll untie Noel and Noel will run off. It might be funny to us watching it in the film, but for those that are living it, it's just that constant irritation. It's the fact that no matter how hard they try, they cannot fix this person. Just like Mr. Oak. Yeah, they just cannot like, yeah. help him. He's, they just got to keep doing it. They've keep doing just it. Just got to keep doing it. And yeah, like like Gary said, there, there's a there's a lot of these people that are going into cardiac arrests uh, because of this red death new people that are going into cardiac arrests uh, because of this red death new brand of heroin, and we get the shooting of the drug dealer played by Michael K. Williams. Now I've just recently come across this actor because I've been going on a bit of a binge of The Wire. He played Omar in The Wire, and I believe he played another prominent figure in Boardwalk Empire. So I know. This guy is like a really good actor. And that moment where he's lying on the floor, he's been shot in a, in a shootout with some rival drug dealers. And he doesn't want to die. And he's in the back of the van with Frank and Noel. And Noel wants to die. Yeah. You know? And you're just, I'm, I was, I, like, I didn't, like, maybe I, I was wrong to find that funny, but at the same time sad and contradictive of life itself, that there's this guy who's, He's trying to do the best that he can to save, make some money. He's been shot and and he's going to die. Where this guy over here, he doesn't really give a shit. And if they could trade places, they probably would. I'm quitting, man. I'm going to the army. We're safe. I don't want to die. No, I want to die. I'm, I'm the one. You're not going to die. What did you say? Shut up. But they can't. And, and Frank's just like, no, you need to hold his hand. You need to hold his hand. But they can't. And, and Frank's just like, no, you need to hold his hand. You need to hold his hand because he doesn't want to die alone. And Frank's just like, no, you need to hold his hand. You need to hold his hand because he doesn't want to die alone. And Frank's just like, no, you need to hold his hand. You need to hold his hand because he doesn't want to die alone. And and he does. He... Yeah, they, they eventually pull up at the, the hospital. He opens up the back and, yeah, the drug dealer has, has died from, from his gunshot wounds. And then Noel, you know, he's like, the, the hospital's where he's supposed to be going now to die, but he just runs off he just bolts it yeah it, it, yeah where he's supposed to be going now to die but he just 
runs off. He just bolts it. Yeah. Yeah. And we get lots of really like I mean this is the romance subpart of the story where mm. where 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 Nicolas Cage's uh, Frank is is really looking out for Mary because yes. she's l- l- you know lingering around the hospital waiting for her dad to recover or to get news about mm. the operation or whether you know whether he's going to get moved to intensive care or anything like that. And uh, and so they end up sharing cigarettes together. At one point they end up sharing a pizza together. Mm. And uh, we, it, it's just nice little bits of dialogue that really helps us understand these people. Yeah, because in my mind, Frank wants some kind of relationship. He wants to be part of something. Like, we find out that he's divorced. He was in a relationship, but she couldn't, she couldn't handle his lifestyle because this is his life. He's an EMT and he wants to save people. And, you know, his, his relationship has ended, but now all evil. And, you know, his relationship has ended, but now all he's got is his job, which is now driving him to kind of just be broken in the mind. And it's it's another one of those things of he wanting to save somebody. So can he save Mary? Yes. You know, and can he save her dad? Can he save Noel? And you start to realize that all these people are strangely, intricately entwined in their tiny little lives and it started making me think of the city itself like like I said if we were working in this hospital and we were seeing these people constantly come in on a weekly day-to-day basis you would know them you would you would get to know them and their families and their people and that's a lot of emotional baggage that you end up taking on that sometimes you can't take home and just talk about um but but Patricia Arquette starts to kind of relapse yeah and she she, she ends up well she she walks right past frank when he comes to the hospital one day and he kind of you kind of think that's a bit weird because they've been talking but she kind of blanks yeah him. but he was also in like a civvy uniform at the time yeah as that, well, so yeah so she kind of wouldn't really yeah. recognize him but he follows her to this building and she's like oh i'm going up there i'm only going in for 15 minutes could you come in and get me because there's been some trouble and he's like yeah yeah okay and she wanders into this place and he tries to convince her not to go in there at first, but she's like, oh, don't be such a cop. Well, yeah, he, well, he also says, I'll just come in with you, I'll come in. But she's like, oh, don't be such a cop. Well, yeah, he, well, he also says, I'll just come in with you, I'll come in with you, but he's forced to wait outside. Yeah, and so he waits outside, and then when he finally gets to go in there, we find out that this is the oasis of Psy. It's to go in there, we find out that this is the oasis of Psy, the drug dealer. Play, this is the oasis of Psy, the drug dealer, played by the Oasis of Psy, the drug dealer, played by the Oasis of Psy, the drug dealer, played by the always amazing Cliff fucking Curtis. Like, I, when I saw him pull up, you know, I was like, immediately I was like, ooh, it's Uncle Bully, but then I was like, is this the same year that Virus came out? <laughs> right. You know, like, like, this is Cliff Curtis. I know Cliff Curtis is a really good actor, but the thing is, and like I said, ment- mentally, Curtis. I know Cliff Curtis is a really good actor, but the thing is, and like I said, ment- mentally, thinking about this film, Cliff Curtis has always been a good actor. You know? So he just, every role that you probably saw this guy in was just 
he was really good here as well and uh you know com compared to everything else we'd seen in the film so far everything like the music yeah, playing relaxed, the, the lighting and he's just like come with me look there's mary she's in bed she's finally sleeping yes i've given her something but she wanted she to she wanted it you yeah. know and so come here look all these other people sleeping all these people have come here for shelter yeah. from from the from the the chaos of new york city so here take this smoke this joint chill with us and and sleep and uh, and then we do get a dream sequence well i'm the japanese sandman whoa <laughs> And, uh, and and we, we get to see the sequence that's really haunting Frank mm. because we kept seeing the face of Rose on all of the passers-by in New yeah. York when he's in the ambulance. Like, people would keep turning it and it would be the face of Rose. The passers-by in New yeah. York when he's in the ambulance. Like, people would keep turning it and it would be the face of Rose. Yeah. yeah. When he's in the ambulance. Like, people would keep turning it and it would be the face of Rose. Yeah. And so it flashes back to when him and Larry... We're trying to save Rose in the first place mm. in the snow, mm. and uh, you know it, we find out that maybe he was he was too, he couldn't get the tube in right, yeah, yeah, um, or yeah. that you know he couldn't find the right thing or the right tool, or they were too late arriving. Uh, but it, it's filmed in such a fantastic way that when they actually arriving, uh, but it, it's filmed in such a fantastic way that when they actually when the actors filmed it they but it, it's filmed in such a fantastic way that when they actually when the actors filmed it they filmed it in reverse. Fantastic yeah. way that when they actually when the actors filmed it they filmed it in reverse and yes. then when the film is played it's played when the actors filmed it they filmed it in reverse and yes. then when the film is played it's played in reverse like a, because yeah. all the snow is not is not settling it's rising I I first like a, because yeah. all the snow is not is not settling it's rising i i noticed the awkwardly movement janky movements that they were doing and i'm it, like it's when you notice wow. the snow rising up yeah the I, frame. I was paying too much and attention it, and, to and them. it really captures that dream wow. the snow rising up yeah the frame. I, I was paying too much and attention it, and, to and them. it really captures that dreamlike memory kind of uh setting and yeah and then of course he hears the scream and then he sharp turns and then nicholas cage has a Nicolas Cage. How about that? Look, you haven't what you call the paradoxical reaction, right? But listen to me, Frank. Frank, where are you going? You're making a mistake. Yeah, you go. <laughs> now, it's a very subtle one compared to what Nicolas Cage is capable of. Oh, yeah, yeah. That... It really uh, brings, like, everything, like, to that moment I... where he's having an outburst, finally. I honestly thought when I went to start this movie, it was just going to be Nicolas Cage-isms all over the place. Like, this might have been the birthplace of Nicolas Cage-isms, you know? But he's actually really quite mellow. It always comes down to the director that knows the talent they're working with. Yeah, exactly. There are, there are some crazy shots that, that he has. Like, there's this one shot that he shoots a look at Tom Sizemore. There are some crazy shots that, that he has. Like, there's this one shot that he shoots a look at Tom Sizemore in the van where he's got the big... That, that he has. Like, there's this one shot that he shoots a look at Tom Sizemore in the van where he's got this big smile on his face turned but it's so brief yeah, yeah. that you could just miss it you know and a lot of the times he's just he, he kind of reminds me of Edward Norton from Fight Club you know Edward Norton was the first person they wanted to play the part in the film you know just <laughs> the, the, the yeah the, the, the Jack's insomnia is just bleeding through especially on Nicolas Cage and I like I gotta bring up I gotta bring up now like the, the the whole sequence with Ving Rhames 
I thought was fucking fantabulous. Ving Rhames, the preacher. So much energy, oh, so much positivity amazing. coming from him. It, it was actually surprising to see him with hair. I'm not sure, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I just love the way he flirts with the dispatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or the, or the fact that he wants to drive down the, uh, the the streets to look at prostitutes. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, and, and there's some days you just can't tell anymore. And it's got that weird sequence where Nicolas Cage is looking out and you see the pregnant woman but then she has Rose's face yeah and yeah. then she's like why did you kill me and he's like I didn't kill you and Ving Rhames is like well I'm glad for that Frank thanks <laughs> they get to, they get a call to go to uh to the nightclub because again that red death has been going around and so this kid is had a heroin overdose yeah, or something yeah. he's basically dead he's dead and yeah. uh they they get there and he's just like everybody clear around and yeah, and you see uh, Nicholas Cage get down and he gives him the adrenaline and he's just like, looks up to give him the signal. Yeah, like, and he's like, okay, pray with me, children. <laughs> yeah. Everybody grab my hands. Praise, Praise Jesus. Praise We're going to raise up. What's he called? What's he called? Frederick. We're going to raise Freddy. No, it's Frederick. <laughs> yeah. We're I'll... going to raise up. I'll be banging, Lord. Raise up. <laughs> I'll be banging. Up, I'll be banging. <laughs> and then, of course, the adrenaline goes in. He shoots up and he's like, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's awesome. Such an awesome scene. Yeah, it was. It was just so good because it's 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 their way of putting the fear of God into these kids. Yeah, you know, for trying this shit that they shouldn't be trying. But then in in my mind, I'm like, yes, but you got to remember what got these kids to this place in the first place. You know, from what we see out in the streets, you'd be lucky if you survive past the age of ten. Sometimes, let alone eighteen to a record deal. But they have that crash. Well, first they get called to another an, another important location. Oh, right. Where there's a woman giving birth. Oh, and uh, when shit. when they manage to get up there, Ooh. and they're just like, and he's just like, no, I'm like, we're both virgins. We've been lived together for two years. We've never had sex. We've never done drugs. We don't drink. And and he's just like, well, uh, mm -mm, how come she's pregnant? And uh, and she gives birth to twins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and of course, Ving Rhames is like, it's a miracle. It's a miracle birth. You know this. Uh, you know, the, this one of them's lived, conception. though. I mean, the one that Bing Rangers got has lived. Yeah. But the one that Nicolas Cage has got has died. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but you get that. I, I, I thought that sequence was amazingly filmed. Him running into the hospital with this baby wrapped around in tinfoil, trying to give trying it, to resuscitate trying it, to yeah. resuscitate it. And then you get all the nurses and the doctors run in. And, you know, like that was one of the beautiful things about the movie that, like, sometimes I don't think. A lot of people. I know sometimes I don't, but I have had some interactions with medical staff where it's just like you got to remember these people are real people dealing with this all the friggin' time. But when they switch on, it's like muscle memory. Oh yeah. You know they know that you know they 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 get all the equipment. They get they they want to save this baby, you know, and yeah. and and they aren't able to, but they end up in a crash, and. Nicholas Cage is like, fuck you. He's like, fuck you, Marcus. You're not doing this to me again. I'm out of here. See you later. And like I said, we, we've been following this over a course of a couple of days. So Thursday, we had Larry, John Goodman. Friday, we had Ving Rhames. And then Saturday, we get Frank's old partner, Tom Sizemore. I like Tom Sizemore. <laughs> like, I know he's probably controversial. Uh, like, I... I know he had a bit of a bad time back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But, like, when I see him in films, he's got, like, this look on his face. Like, he's a crazy-ass motherfucker. 
Oh, for sure. You know, and this movie just kind of allows him just to do that. We'd already had a couple of run-ins with him talking to Noel and Frank. We'd already had a couple of run-ins with him talking to Noel and Frank and saying like, you know what, you know, I'm going to fuck that guy up one day. I'm not going to let him get away with this. And you're like, oh, Jesus, this guy's really aggressive. And when they first initially get in the get in the van with each other, Nicolas Cage is like lost. Yeah, he's had enough. I mean, he's there. He's, he's injecting himself with vitamins, <laughs> adrenaline. He's got the oxygen mask. He's standing with the two IV bags in the yeah. bag. And he's like, man, this ain't doing anything. I need a beer. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, look, we cannot stop. Whatever you do. Do not stop this ambulance. We just got to keep going. Yeah. If we stop, we die. Yeah. And uh, and and they end up getting called to Mister O. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, they, well, they 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 go to get called to Mister O, but it's like, no, 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 we're not going to go to him tonight. There's something else big, and they get dispatched to. Uh, 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 well, we don't know at first. It's a shooting, but we also hear that somebody's obviously jumped out of a window, and when we get there. We see this guy hanging on the railings of a balcony. The railings are in his stomach. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And when we get there, when we get upstairs. Got that. That I mean, it's an awesome shot where the water is like flooded yeah. the, the hallway. Yeah. But it's just the way the blood is just centered because, and then when you see the the female, it's just the way the blood is just centered because, and then when you see the the female, it's just the way the blood is just centered because, and then when you see the the female body there with the the deeper, the darker red blood splat. You're yeah. Just like, it's it's very meticulous in the way it's been set up. It's size apartment. It. It is. The Oasis has been hit. And we'd already got a bit of information from Cy explaining that he was going... Him and Tiger, his buddy, they were going to get some shit on these Red Death guys and they were going to fuck them up. But obviously they got hit first. And I I did kind of feel bad about the girl. Yeah. You know, she only had a brief part. But when we'd met her, she'd been nice and friendly and kind of relaxed. And now here she is lying in the door with a bullet hole in her head. You know, and we go into the apartment... And we realized that Tiger, the the kind of computer guy we'd seen, he jumped out the window and broken both his legs on the balcony below and dragged himself in to call the cops. And Sai had tried to do the same thing and jumped only a little bit further and he's the one hanging on the balcony. And I thought Cliff Curry's was fucking amazing in this whole <laughs> sequence. The way him and Frank are talking while the, the, the fire department are trying to cut the railings off. Yeah, yeah. You know, to get him free. And uh, he's just like, hey, remember that 10 bucks you owe me from earlier? He's like, you keep that, man. You're going to save my life. And it is kind of beautiful when, you know, when the, when the fire department are cutting away the fence and the bars heating up and mm. all, all the sparks are flying over, that, out across New York. Yes. And again, the hallucinations, I guess, because sparks are flying over, that, out across New York. Yes. And again, the hallucinations, I guess, because it turns into a fireworks, fireworks. display. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and the crowd are down the bottom cheering as well because when the railings do give way, Frank and Cy go over the edge and you're like, oh shit! And luckily they'd hooked Frank up. But Frank has grabbed Cy. And when they get into the hospital, Cy turns to Frank and basically goes, you saved my life. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, you know, that's that's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the one that he got. But... We also have the situation with Tom Sizemore. Like, Tom, like both of them want to break something. Like, they're angry, everything they are, still. Yeah, you know, and 
I, I, is this after he's resuscitated the dad? Like the, the yeah. dad in the hospital, he's, he's attempted to die again. And so they've resuscitated him. And we keep the yeah. dad in the hospital, he's, he's attempted to die again. And so they've resuscitated him. And we keep hearing that he's been resuscitated like 12 to 15 times. And at that point, oh, I was like, he's been resuscitated like 12 to 15 times. And at that point, oh, I was like, let the motherfucker resuscitated like 12 to 15 times. And at that point, oh, I was like, let the motherfucker go. Like 12 to 15 times. And at that point, oh, I was like, let the motherfucker go. Like I've already made plans with my family. If I start to go a little bit, just take me outside, you know, deal with me. Don't don't resuscitate me. Start to go a little bit. Just take me outside. You know, deal with me. Don't don't resuscitate me. Fucking twelve to seventeen times a night. A night. Yeah. You know, and and the dad even says to him like, "Don't do it, Frank. Don't do it." And Frank actually tries not to, but the nurse pushes it away. So Frank is all annoyed, and him and Tom Sizemore they're driving out. Let's break something. And Tom's just like, "No, we need to. We need a reason. We can't just." break stuff but they end up spotting Noel with a baseball bat breaking stuff oh, he's breaking car windows yeah and uh and Tom Sizemore was like this motherfucker I am sick to death of seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting motherfucker I am sick to death of seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it. I am sick to death of seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it so I'm sick to death of seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it so let's take sick to death of seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it so let's take him out death of seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it so let's take him out here seeing this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it so let's take him out here you being this motherfucker yeah. doing what he's doing and getting away with it so let's take him out here you go and talk to him about baseball i'll sneak around behind him and you push him over yeah you go and talk to him about baseball i'll sneak around behind him and you push him over yeah Go and talk to him about baseball. I'll sneak around behind him and you push him over. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so that's what happens. Because Kate starts talking to him about baseball, he ends up getting over. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so that's what happens. Because Kate starts talking to him about baseball, he ends up getting the baseball bat from him. But he doesn't. And uh, and so that's what happens. Because Kate starts talking to him about baseball, he ends up getting the baseball bat from him. But he doesn't push him over when he gets the opportunity to. No. Noel realizes that he's being played and legs it. Yeah, that's it. Well, he breaks the window. He breaks the window just to feel yeah. me, uh, see how it feels. And Tom's like, what are you doing? Because that's a bad thing. And they, they, they split they up split to up. chase him down. That yeah. walk down the steps into the basement was yeah. just... That yeah. walk down the steps into the basement was yeah. just... Like, the sounds, the sights, the smells, you know, like... Maybe it's me, maybe as I'm getting older, you know, but I kind of like seeing that because that's... That's real. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know on the other flip side, you know, you've got your clean house and your happy families and things like that. But let's be honest, people, this is New York City. I know there's a lot of cities just like New York who have got corners of darkness like this, but like you don't really even see a lot, but you hear, you hear babies crying. Like he looks down at one point, I wonder what the fuck he was looking at. And at one point he looks down at some rubbish and realizes underneath the rubbish is a person. Yeah. Because you can see the eyes moving. And he, he comes across Noel being beaten the fuck out of by, by Tom Sizemore. And he stops Tom Sizemore and he goes, No, I'm going to save Noel. I'm going to save him. And he, he rushes him to the hospital to, to hopefully save him. And I think it's like when he gets back to the hospital again, he gets told that 
Oh yeah, that's right. Because he no, realizes the bed's the missing. bed's empty. Yeah. yeah, the dad's been moved up. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he no, realizes the bed's the missing. bed's empty. Yeah. yeah, the dad's been moved up to ICU, and I think Frank at this time has has had his realization about the dad wanting to die. Right. Because so he he had some about the dad wanting to die. Right. Because so he he had some about the dad wanting to die. Right. Because so he he had some there he had wanting to die. Right. Because so he he had some there he clears away the nurse he goes in there and he, you can tell them he's obviously premeditated this he knows exactly what he's doing because he know? starts taking the. The, the you know the uh, the cables and attaching them to himself. Did, did you notice who the nurse was at the table? It was a nurse from Scrubs. <laughs> from Scrubs. Yes, I was like, yeah. Oh, look, it's Carla. She <laughs> must have quit this job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got transferred. <laughs> but yeah, well, he's already got the pads. Yeah, exactly. Set up. So he knew exactly. He was just he had the setup. You know, he takes the oxygen stuff to trick the machine to think he's still going. Yeah, and, and he lets the dad just well peacefully go peacefully go and when the doctors come in they kind of just accept it you know yeah you know we we were trying to save his life but it was it was going to give out and i i kind of liked how it would like we'd already had the moment where nicholas cage had gone back to patricia arquette's apartment and he'd settled down and it was a really nice moment him with, with the soap yeah, yeah when he had, saw all three soaps and just yeah, it felt it made him feel human and alive and normal for a little while i gotta admit i i actually didn't feel human and alive and normal for a little while i gotta admit i i actually feel human and alive and normal for a little while i gotta admit i i actually listened to human and alive and normal for a little while i gotta admit i i actually listened to him at that point and i thought to myself you know what might use some of my wife's soap just just for once <laughs> you know because it was the way he said like i haven't been in a women's woman's bathroom in a while you know yeah. and we'd seen his apartment and his women's woman's bathroom in a while you know yeah. and we'd seen his apartment and his apartment was just like nobody should have to live like that it just it's you you know it's when he goes back to patricia arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad goes back to Patricia Arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad goes back to Patricia Arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad passing away Patricia Arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad passing away Patricia Arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad passing away Arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad passing away Arquette's apartment for the second time to tell her about her dad passing away that she, she was kind of accepting of it. She, yeah, and she'd had like a few days at least to prepare for this yeah. news. But yeah, she, yeah, she was she was fine with it. She accepted that that was an, an inevitability. Yeah, and then she invites him up the stairs, and they sit on the bed, and he starts to sleep. And I thought it was kind of weird at first, but I got it. And he starts to sleep, and I thought it was kind of weird at first, but I got it. The kind of religious white light. Well, that white light had been apparent in the movie throughout the throughout the entire really? film. Really, had it? Like, like, like. There's moments when it's like the the, the shot is just like overlit, right? And right. like, and everybody seems to have this glowing white energy around them. I did. And then in other scenes, times. it's not there. I mean, like the men, the scene where he's after Noel and he's walking down, like he is bathed in white light as he descends down into yes, the darkness. Yes. Yes. 
and the sequence when he's saving um, a saving Psy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you've got these massive back white light behind mm. him, like the spotlights ah. as well. So that that white light is definitely there for a reason. It's not a happy accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's almost like a transcendence. It's almost heavenly. Yeah, it is almost yeah. like, and 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 it is, I guess, because that you know the camera angle just sits there as that white light bathes them in, in entirety it is almost like a happy ish ending a heavenly Happiest. ending yeah yeah like, it makes you think that these two might actually become a couple and and be okay together yeah but yeah we never know forgive me rose it's not your fault no one asked you to suffer that was your idea. Well, you know, there are so many great, great, great moments in the film. It has such a good ending. Yeah. 